This is Shaka Wartspeak. Buddy, we need these days, all right? No, I'm loving yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need this. These oh, days. <laughs> I just know that if we don't, we will do this for another hour. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. The uh, best podcast. <laughs> hour. So welcome to Shaka Wartspeak. <laughs> Oh, and sorry. the best podcasts <laughs> always happen prior to the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Or after the podcast, and I think some some people get that. And you know, you you put you put the the juicier stuff behind the paywall. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that someday. <laughs> You've been talking about that since the beginning. You yeah. got to get the juicy paywall extra benefits. The Patreon, yeah. ten dollar a month. You can get no, no. Of- it's got to be like a thousand dollars a month. Wow. I'm not, I'm not letting you in yeah, or- unless you can help us buy this building we're trying to buy. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a deal. <laughs> that's so entrepreneurial. Yeah, we're on. Oh, okay, cool. That's Sorry, we're in. Sure. So any that's very entrepreneurial, right? That was mm-hmm. a lead in. I'm glad what you picked thing. that up. And mm-hmm. um so welcome. We're back. We're here with Cody Spice. Yep. Cody. Twice as nice. Um or we call him Code Red. <laughs> he's our um he's our resident Spock. Oh we can yeah. merge them. Red Spice? Red Spice. Is that weird? Yeah, Red Spice. Spice. Hunt yes. for Red Spice. Hunt yeah. for Cody Spice. That'll, that'll be in October. We'll do that. Yeah, yeah you could only be old. I love that movie. Look forward to that, guys. Hunt, hunt for Cody can Spice. Can we do a whole you. series that's just about submarine movies? That hmm. probably would go Ooh, really well. Really hunt specific. for Red October is so good. It's so good. It's pretty good. It's so good. So, Gareth Blackwell, hey. Dr. Yes, Snacksmell. Yep, here, present. And a little person, a little friend of ours. Little. <laughs> that's just so he could say that. Ian C. Hess. <laughs> Thank One you. of our long-term friends of the gallery, soon soon to be a part of the um, whenever we go visual. Ooh, ooh, ooh! You'll There's see us. Be a backdrop. So we're here to talk to Ian mm-hmm. as our first guest in the series on uh, entrepreneurship. So um, in our last episode, we we opened <clears throat> kind of opened the can up, kind of mm-hmm. laid some framework. Yep. Gareth gave us some great things to think about. Yeah, um, you get all the all the juicy bits about the stuff he didn't want to know. Yeah. And, and he delivers it well. Gareth's a doctor. So hey. like good doctors, he can deli- deliver diagnosis and medication well. And he's got good bedside manner, so we received it, and we feel better. <laughs> and sometimes I can give you bad news with a nice voice. Yeah. <laughs> I had like this Dr. Evil. Scott, I'm going to give you bad news. Um, okay. Nobody even knows the doctor. Yeah. I don't know that. You don't know who Dr. Evil? Okay. I love him. No, Dr. No. Evil? Yeah, you don't know who? No, awesome no. Powers? Oh my god! Yeah, this is welcome. Oh this my is, goodness! We've done it again. Yes, one more episode in the line of episodes where, where we says, get Cody. I don't, say, I don't know, I don't know that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. With this Cody is Cody Spice. Thing. Yeah, this is this is a thing called <laughs> I don't know what that is. Cody Spice. <laughs> it's I, a real thing, dude. Uh, we didn't talk about this idea later. I like this idea. Yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. I think we just gave birth to that. A new that idea. feels parallel to what did you mean by that? Yes, in a Which, way. I we need you to come on for one of those, by the way. I know I'm overdue, and yeah. just to say, since so much um, good information was dispensed last episode, I haven't heard it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Well, we won't talk about it. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. So fear not. Um, you are able and ready. So we will. Um, but part of it is actually <clears throat> part of the way this is set up is we want to hear like how it's going with you in terms of. So one of the things we wanted to talk about with you, because we think you, you're in the you're you're in the middle of something, and I don't want to lead too much, but um, we want to talk about like doing real things is difficult. Yeah, and and yes. there's uh, known challenges and unforeseen challenges, mm-hmm. mostly unforeseen. That's what we want to talk about today. Okay. Honestly, before and, before we jump too much into that, I think uh, one point that we didn't add in the last episode okay, that it. is important for this conversation <laughs> is that um, you know we talk about like the like how, like, I don't know, 
how people kind of aspire to be entrepreneurial. They kind of want to be in that. They want to grab some of that cultural value. We talked about that sort of stuff. And I think one of the reasons is there is like a high level of potentiality that's there that you can always be like in pursuit of, but you never have to get there. And so when we talk about the challenges and the hardships, that happens when you're doing it, not when you're just talking about it. Mm -hmm. So um, the hardships, a lot of people might sit there and say, oh, the, the stuff is difficult, the stuff that comes up that I got to deal with. Um, those things are actually pointing to the fact that there's not potential in this space. And that mm -hmm. is not the case. It's the exact opposite of it. That you come into the hardships and the struggles because the potentiality is real and you're exercising your like agency and authority upon it. Mm -hmm. And so in that space, I think we just have to make that really clear because we do live in a culture where anybody is like, if I get a little bit of pushback, that means I should never even have tried in the first place. Yeah. And it's like, no, uh, the pushback is actually a positive thing because it says that there's something hard here that you're actually working against or pushing through right? Uh, well, instead of the opposite. Or yeah, making yeah, yeah. out of. I mean, when I think pushback, yes. I mean, like everything we could put our hands to, if it's a real thing, pushes back. Yeah, I mean, think of like sawing a piece of wood. Yeah. You know, pushing it through a table saw. Like there's an aspect yeah. that that saw is like actually cutting that wood, but if you're not there, it's going backwards. Yep. Or it's if actually you're just... Retreating moving your hands on an invisible board towards a spinning saw blade, no pushback, but guess what? Nothing's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, no gonna tension, have a bad no reality. Time. Well, in video yeah. games, the right way to go is where all the bad guys are. Exactly. Yeah, you got to go through all the bad guys to mm -hmm. beat the final bad guy. Yeah. It's the yeah. right way. And then the, the biggest bad guys, while you did all that, nothing happened in your life at all. It's true. You yeah. sat there. I beat GTA 5 by just staying in the apartment. I didn't even leave. Yeah. You know how I beat Mike Tyson in Mike Tyson's punch out? But I just play. didn't play. With your thumbs? That's oh, right. I just didn't play, dude. Mm -hmm. No, I used to beat him pretty good once yeah. you got the code, man. But still, I didn't I didn't beat Mike Tyson. I wouldn't try to fight him if my life depended on it. No, I'm interested in beating the metaverse. Mm, that's a good one. So yeah, you want to I'm exist beat in it. the real world? Well, the cool thing about it <laughs> is that you can in the metaverse pick up things from one place and move it to another, and you as a being can design yourself and uh, put clothes on, any mm -hmm. type of clothes you want, and uh, things look semi-real. It's mm -hmm. pretty cool. I could mm -hmm. do it here, but the closer I look, the more there is, as opposed to when I look well, at the metaphor. Well, it's impressive when you pick I up that I see the end right of now. it. Yeah, I know. I, and no training. I don't have any uh, controller in my hand or a yeah. VR headset. You actually just picked it up, and it, and it was uh, free to do. It's true. Wait a second. Are you saying that the metaverse might be pointless? I... I think it's a distraction. Yes. I think mm -hmm. I think you can't watch the Matrix Matrix uh, reference today. I've watched the Matrix. You can't watch it. <laughs> yes, I, I know that reference. <laughs> yes, you looked at me and I, I was like, the, "I really need to see yeah, this right yeah, now." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, don't watch the fourth one. Just <laughs> I'm not touching that. Don't. I know. Don't even do it. Agreed oh. before it came Okay, out. I got to discipline myself. We're not going there, but I want to. And just know how just much. Just put a pin in it. Yeah, Save put it a pin later. in it. We can talk about the ending of that movie. Yep, how yep. terrible it was. Um, just the ending? Okay. No. Sorry. No, no, no. There's no. a pin. There's oh, a pin. I thought you meant the ending yeah. of the movie is like the yeah. last three movies. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. The first movie is the only one that I, yeah. I really think is a movie. But the... Um, there, shots fired. Yeah, shots. A lot of shots. Shots have been fired. Um, shards have been fired. Um you mean the most recent movie? That was that was the that was Matrix Four Shots Fired, right? So yeah. I was saying Matrix we, Four. We know about the fired. first Matrix, right? Yeah. Yes. And we 
we we see like people plugged in as like batteries and you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and then we're like, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. And then we're like, I want to plug myself in and be a battery. 20 mm-hmm. years later. Yeah. Like, 20 years later. That was a good idea. Predictive yeah. programming. That's right. No, that's true. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good, it, it's, it's a really good concept to really flesh out and push into because it's kind of at the heart of people who are really, you know, we talked about in the last episode. They're the folks who are actually like in the trenches doing it. And there's people talking about it or people like aspiring to it. And folks who are like getting like down and dirty, nitty gritty with all the details and the hardship of it. Um, and so it is that difference between like moving the coffee cup in the metaverse and like, I don't know, waking up, getting out of bed, making coffee, drinking the coffee, having the cup of coffee that then has to mm-hmm. be moved in real life. Like and there's cleaned. so many more implications um, in the doing part of it. Yeah. Um, Someone had to make the coffee that you actually in- internally ingest. And this is, again, you're probably hearing a lot of similarities from when we talk about things uh, when we've had episodes about like work in the studio and things like that, where it's like there is the discussion of the work in the studio and there is then doing the actual work in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are very different. And sometimes you will see completely different people that are choosing one or the other. Um, and then there are people where there's the definite crossover. Um, so I think it's great. Uh, really happy to have you on, Ian, for this because uh, you're, I mean, you. how long has it been since you started kind of doing this entrepreneurial thing that you do here in Richmond? How many years? Um, I'd say it started in 2015, more so by the happiest Bob Ross accident you could ever have. I've talked about the story before, yeah, um, yeah. so I'm not going to go yeah, down so you all that. Yeah, so you have to go, but... go give, give a <clears throat> quick, like a summer, a fast summary because you've discussed it in previous episodes, but then, and then get us to where you've been, say, in the last year or two, and you know, kind of lead up to COVID even. Oh, uh, well, okay, short snippet, bite size sampler box bite of what happened. I, at my time in 2015, my life was changing drastically. Uh, essentially a door was closing and the window of Endeavor opened. I stumbled upon it essentially by accident when looking for a place to live. And I had found it previously. I was denied from it previously. And then the opportunity came along that all the people were clearing out of it. Hit up uh, all the best artists I knew at the time um, and was like, hey, I think this is possible over a couple of beers and some convincing. Uh, they shared the vision. I mean, we even sat around in a circle and like came up with this logo of the Endeavor thing and the name. And we opened up for First Fridays, which is an incredible event in, mm-hmm. here in Richmond. Unbelievable event that needs to be um, re-sparked, so to speak, I would say. Uh, and that essentially, our, our first show, we went from unknown to uh, having about a thousand people show up in the space. And we just kind of looked tiny at each other in, in tiny space. It's a thousand square foot right angle triangle is the shape. Whole spot has a big uh, 1889 wood column, like right in the middle. It was very dingy, uh, cobwebby, crustaceous sort of space that we inverted and gutted and turned it into something. And so after that first show, we just looked at each other and we're like, oh, like we can keep doing this. And it, it just became again and again, every single month would meet it again and again to the point that our shows were consisting of 35 people, four or five bands in a night and for five to six hours, it was like a New York gallery for a day. And somewhere around the second year, I got as many of the people that were consistently showing up to sit down. I'd be like, I think I have a bigger vision for what this thing could be rather than just the space to actually create uh, a larger permanent space. Um, and everybody essentially was on board, but the means or the, the even the thought or the capability to do so seemed like you know, a distant dream just to like 
plant the seed, so to speak, which Mm -hmm. I very much have learned from you guys, I'd say more than anything. So in that time, we continued working in that space for about four and a half years. Uh, Even some of our shows ended up at uh, Black Iris, which is um, right down the street on Broad Street. It's a really cool, they call it a, a gentleman's club, but they do a lot of like cigar smoking up on the top floors, pool plane and things along those lines. But they have a front area of just a beautiful gallery. And so it was essentially like a cup that was too full. We had so many shows that we could overfill into the space and did some really cool, really great shows. And in that time, uh, realtors from L.A. came through and they bought the building for twice the property value. Uh, They just looked up the triangle building, the original triangle building. They bought it for twice its property value. Uh, and they went to us and said, we are taking the rent and times it, timesing it by five minimum. And if you can't pay that next month, you're out. Mm. So I had to consult people and be like, we have a standing lease in the space that actually just renewed two months previous, like, thank the Lord for that, uh, which gave us 10 more months to figure out what was going to happen. And in that time, I asked the basic question of go big or go home. Do we give up this space? Um, let it become most likely another condo rent out spot or whatever it's going to be. Um, let them have their way with it or actually lack of care. I would more say, uh, what's happened since, mm-hmm. um, or to do something really big and like do something about this situation because come to find out that this story, uh, is a, it's a cyclical story. It's something that's consistent yes. throughout all of Richmond and, yes. When we first got the news, I have a friend, his name is Parker Galore at uh, Gallery 5. He's been in the game for 17 years. He's he's one of those like almost like a, I don't know, he's like a behind the scenes magician. Like he's constantly just making things happen at a alarmingly crazy rate. I actually think you guys should have him on someday. It would be awesome to talk to him. Um, he's great. And so he sent me this article when he found out that we were closing. He just sent one word on the message said cycles. And it had this article from the 1970s of, it was essentially an all female artistic group of consisting of four people that were also in a small space. And they created essentially a cultural phenomenon that was popping off, everybody showed up. It was part of First Fridays, people showing up all the time. Same story, somebody came through, bought the space, ended up turning to something else, completely dissipates the culture. And I since have collected dozens of the story of this essentially the same story of uh it having this this lifeblood this rich soil mm. in richmond that keeps on cropping up uh all of these incredibly powerful cultural spaces that get um torn down bought out sold out kicked out whatever it is uh or even like permits coming along and be like i actually can't do this because you don't have a permit that we just made up these stories are have become every, seen in every, in every city Every, in every major city. I, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, obviously I know the most because it's here in Richmond, but I do think there's something specifically about Richmond that seems to benefit. Maybe it's the low cost of a yeah. lot of spaces. No, but. I mean, so it, this is this is true of Brooklyn. These, so so it's, it, it is distinctly true of Richmond, as you're saying. So yeah. no diminishment of that. <clears throat> but it's actually like you could talk to uh, friends of mine in Detroit. Same thing. Well, why? Well, because, um, I mean, gosh, man, this gets into issues of housing and development and uh, poverty and economics. That's like, right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a whole huge discussion there that like try to try to not get into. It's like kind of, I mean, I'm holding my hand up. Cause I'm like, it's like shielding, like how much is there. But, um, 
you know, there's a great book called Hard Times, High Times. It's just a little book about some New York artists that were doing things when, I mean, this was like the New York school with like the, um, you know, Jackson Pollock and these guys. Like, like this is this is the thing. And so this is why we would talk about ecosystem and even a conversation like this, which is um, because this happens, this happened to Brooklyn as a whole. Brooklyn's not Brooklyn anymore. That's right. Um, 100%. So and it's happening here in Richmond faster than it happened in Brooklyn, which is okay. The whole so maybe that's why me. I say it's more because it seems like it's happening at it's, such a rate. It's happening I, faster like, here. Yeah. So it's happening faster here in the same way. And it, it, ha- it relates to like our mayor, property taxes. Ooh, yeah. Oh, it, it that's is right. It is. It is. There's a uh, intro working to this. Right. And one of the things I want to point out in a kind of like a um, kind of like a metaphor or not a mer- an analogy is um, flowers are really powerful in the way that flowers are powerful. So in their power, they're also vulnerable. You with me? That's so, right. so we adorn, like we cultivate, like people, whole cultures are created around flowers. Nurseries exist so that we can take healthy flowers and bring them into our homes, into our dinner tables, into our spaces. Uh, they're a part of the way in which we... They're um, even powerful in the way that flowers aren't powerful. Because like... That's what I'm trying Through to Amsterdam, like the the stock market was actually made based on tulips. It was mm-hmm. the tulip exchange. And it started with like, how do we exchange such large quantities of flowers? Because mm-hmm. I mean, they're so desirable. And if you ever... Yes. You know, I've already ranted about Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> on this podcast, but... I can Last keep time doing you were that. on. Yeah. But so, but so, it's so here, greatly well, affected. So, here, so yeah. here's my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> f- the, like think about the economy of flowers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what I'm trying to say is think about the, I mean, romance is communicated through flowers. Like just think about it for a second. Right. And at the very same time I can pluck whenever I want, I can stomp on it. I can, you know, I can, I can, um, back it over with a car and you can say, well, it's frail, it's vulnerable, right. In that way, mm-hmm. in that way it's vulnerable, but not in the, in the way that actually causes all this. Well, the flowers are, are artists in that sense, or in other words, you, you, you're, you're a bouquet of something going on. And then somebody comes along in doesn't understand the power. Yeah. 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 Doesn't understand the power or can't even smell it. Can't can't even see the color instead of envisioning something where you say, Oh, I'm actually going to have you stay in and we're, we're not going to raise the cost. We're actually going to work at a deal where we absorb the cost of your presence and mm-hmm. we work out some kind of like um, negotiation. Like if you really start to escalate in, you know, a profit, there's a benchmark to where then it kicks in and you pay us a little bit, but just a little bit. Cause we want to keep this going because it actually brings life to our apartment complex. We want to build above or instead of, so, yeah. we, and so yeah, instead yeah, yeah. what, what these butthole types that are those buttholes. you know type a like they come in and they're like yeah they they cleaned out the space for us they demoed it they've got it out people are moving in over there now is the time for us to come in and open up places to live right and as you do that you kick all the reasons out for why people were coming there 
And so it's a lack of vision. It's also an asymmetry in, in value. And there's no understanding of the ecosystem and how to sit at a table together yeah. and, and leverage resources for the greater good. So, I mean, I agree 100,000%, but essentially that didn't happen to us. Yeah. Everything that you're saying did yeah. not happen. And I got a little lost in the weeds, but the point was is that the, the space was closing out in that 10-month grace period, essentially, through the lease was to answer the question of wanting to go big. And so stumbled upon this 1859 historical home on Broad Street. And it was a little dingy. It was a little rusty. Um, it was pretty dank. Uh, it's got a crazy history and like a 7,000 pound safe, like up in the front room. That's too heavy to even get out of the building. That's amazing. It's weird. Uh, and it's hand painted everything about it. And behind it, there is a, a white sycamore tree that is the tallest tree in a 50 mile radius, which is also insane. But the, the interesting aspect of it, the most interesting was that it had a flat, empty lot behind it. It was about 115 feet long and 27 feet wide. And it already had a building permit on it. And uh, I talked to you guys, I talked to a lot of different people and being like, all right, hypothetically, could we put something here? And again and again, the question was yes. And it became more and more specific to the point that got funders together, all my money, everything, family to get together to get the space with the vision of building uh, a permanent answer to the problems that we've described of yeah. people who can't smell the flowers, so to speak, but want um, the benefits of having flowers around. Uh, and to seriously answer that question and dedicate absurd amounts of resources and time into making this happen. Yep. And so in the entrepreneurial world, this has, uh, I'll use a Ryan word, bifurcated into three different uh, businesses now, which mm -hmm. I'm in the forefront of making happen. So I think that's why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably why you're here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think one of the places I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and let y'all know, I'm, I'm going to be the guy who, uh, do it brings in all the boring, boring things. I'm just owning that right now. Okay. I love it. So, uh, when I hear this, I hear entrepreneurship, everything you're talking about, like there's a, there's kind of this, uh, implicit, if not explicit, um, thing with an entrepreneurship where there, there is some, you're doing a thing because you, <clears throat> you see that it has value, right? So there's, there's kind of at that level, there's something with entrepreneurship there. I think this is important or necessary or people will like it or it'll connect or something. Um, but there's also a space where we talk about things like a return on investment and that's an investment for how, whatever you're putting into it, right? Because mm -hmm. there are so many different like value-based things that's that right. go into entrepreneurship. Like there's a lot of ways you're leveraging or trying to expand yourself to do a thing. And so with this, you know, there's uh, there's things that <clears throat> things you said about uh, like kind of our big resource bucket categories of time, money. Uh, then you have things like social cult cultural capital, right? You've got these big buckets. Of, of value that are there um, that we talk through. Um, and I think one of the one of the hardest things for folks uh, who are starting out or like desiring to be an entrepreneur um, is they they look at the ROI, they look at that return, but they really forget what the investment is. And they forget how the investment plays out. Mm -hmm. And I think the space you are right now, Ian, with what you're talking about, the fact that you've been in this for a minute, I mean, you're talking about like seven, seven-ish years or so that you've kind of been mm -hmm. digging this trench to fight in. Um, Yep. You're, you're at a place where like you, you can see like what that, not only what that investment is in terms of, you know, time, effort, money, capital, like social, cultural capital, all those things. But you also are seeing like 
where those things are kind of rightly applied, actually creating space for like a return on that investment. And so this is a long-winded way to kind of say like within the space of all the stuff that you've put into this, like what what is that space that's like very fruitful where you're seeing a lot of things come together? Or like how does how do those investments that you put into this, how do they actually open up a space where new things can be created and new people come together? So, I mean, I've talked about this for years. So it's... It's a little, uh, not wily. It is wily coyote continually throwing yourself at a brick wall, essentially expecting different results. Like there's a level of insanity of doing it. Um, and yeah. it can make you feel crazy talking about something, uh, that isn't real yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when we're talking about like direct fruits, um, I'm at the point that I have to celebrate just small wins. Like, mm -hmm. okay, here's a strange obstacle. And you said unforeseen circumstances. So far, that's a majority of it because everything I've thrown in myself into, I don't have previous experience. I'm learning terms. I'm learning building code, fire code, uh, passive egress, um, occupancy limits, permits through this, like things like this that I'm like, okay, it's, sure, it's there on some level, like suggest that I can assume on some level, but most of it is absolute mystery and. I'm I'm really at the point that the things that I'm running into is sounds like people in dimly lit smoky rooms are just coming up with that like wouldn't it be funny if we had him to jump through this hoop right now. Um, so thankfully the the space itself is tangible. Like I can walk there, I can show people, I can talk about um, uh, what's going to be there. But the biggest fruit that has happened is working. Um, with my architect, Katie Cortez, who I met through you guys. Um, she is a masterful, brilliant Omega nerd that is capable We're gonna of, have Katie on, by the way. You absolutely so really Oh my good. God, I yeah, love Katie's Katie so much. For this series. I've, I've definitely gotten very close to Katie and like our conversations actually have become podcasts. Like we'll talk about what we're working on with the schematic designs uh, and then three and a half hours later, I mean, we're talking about like conversations we were have we were having earlier before the podcast, which what was that like an hour and a half that we were talking? Yeah, we had a podcast for an hour and a half. <laughs> Twice as long as we said. Yeah, literally That's we're right. having Katie on. Yeah, I'm so happy you are. It's uh, It'll be great. And um, so the biggest thing is I remember it as clear as day. I walked in to her house. She has a beautiful home um, and it's very, you can tell she got it because of like the architectural leanings. Like it's just, Makes if sense. you've ever seen her house, yep. it's, it's got these like little sloping roofs and it's very like old wood and like oak floors. It's beautiful. Um, and so I walked in and she has also like this very nice wooden table and like the sun was coming through the window. She's like, it's very just like beautiful in that neighborhood. Everything is like calm as day and sitting on the table um, was really wide. It was like 24 inch sheets and it just had the Endeavor logo right in the middle of it. And it had her laptop open, also had the Endeavor logo on it. And it was the first draft of the schematic designs uh, drawn, physically made, in front of, tangible, with what each floor is doing, uh, as well as a 3D layout. I forget the name of the program, but it was an interior shot of like what it looks like to stand inside, look around, and an exterior shot of the first draft of essentially what the design was going to be. And I, I'm just sitting there with like my, my mouth agape. And for the first time, legitimately, in almost three years, I felt essentially not crazy rather than like, wouldn't it be cool if to yeah. it sitting right there on the table? And, uh, 
I mean, I, I was I was big and we've had six or seven drafts. We're saving each one because I said I want like the, the process to be documented as much. And she does beautiful like hand drawings alongside of it with like see through paper. So you can literally stack it up and see how it's it's layered out and where things align. And so all the touches and the, the design elements and the servicing of what each floor would be doing, as well as the exterior space and how it ties into the building itself will tie into the sense of like verticality and growth and sustainability and to like see it tangible in mm -hmm. front of me. I, I just, I couldn't, you know, I don't really have words for that. Like, how do you yeah. describe that experience? And it, it's just one of those, um, the soil was very fertile and to spend the time and to have the patience of like, okay, this is a very slow growing flower. Just yep. let it, don't, no, don't touch it. And just like, <laughs> let it to keep growing. It keep was- Keep giving it sunlight. Keep giving it sunlight, Good keep soil. giving it water, don't overwater it, like don't um, talk it to death. And I think me talking about this now is the most amount of people in the same space that I've said this to, like all these conversations are one-on-one, -on -one, just building the network and finding out the people interested and what the jobs are gonna be and all those things. And so uh, another breakthrough recently, if uh, we're still talking about fruits, yeah. um, I just got like the financial guy, like the guy that's going to, uh, the way he described it was you have all the puzzle pieces and now we have to line up the puzzle. And mm -hmm. he's, um, as you would describe, has the boring stuff, but he's- <laughs> The boring stuff's important, don't get me wrong. It's very important, especially with this, oh my God, if the boring stuff isn't straight as an arrow, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have a, you can have a bad time. Uh, it's uh, but so I was sitting down him and it, it was like one of those office rooms where it's like got all the chairs, like the, mm -hmm. the wheelchairs and I'm sitting at the head of the table and they're like sitting there with notepads and I'm just like, this is unreal. Like it was out of body and they're yeah. like, so, tell us this thought process in like an hour and a half. They're like, okay, that was a lot to write down. So, <laughs> but they did say everything about this is tangible. It is possible. It's doable. It makes sense. Your reasons of doing so are um, earnest and meaningful. And so they're, they were jived about the idea. Yeah. They were like stoked about it. They're like, I would love to take part in this whole thing. And so now it's like getting into the weeds again. It's like feasibility and it's like approaching uh, even getting like a, um, uh, I don't want to say funnel, but I guess that works of how the funding would work, like the different yeah. means of making it happen from crowdsourcing to bank loan, everything in between in order to make this thing successfully happen. And, uh, I could not be more committed to this thing, despite how much, how crazy it's made me feel countless times. Uh, and how difficult it is in the unforeseen circumstances, you know, through struggle, there is progress and I, I see the progress and it's tangible and it gives me a, you know, it gives me a sense of something that I don't think I've ever had in my life. Like you could even say a larger sense of purpose. And I've been thinking about a lot about purpose and yeah. what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's, that's huge in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's great to hear the way you're processing through a lot of this, um, thinking through it and experiencing it. Um, because again, I'm, I'm always going to go into the stereotypes and then ask for like the particulars and the actual people to push against those. Um, cause the things that we get through like cultural spaces, whether it's like TV shows about entrepreneurs or things like that, um, there's kind of this, uh, you know, it's like, it's very goal based, right? So you have a specific goal in mind, like you have a thing, that you want to have created. Um, 
And the issue with like very heavily goal based things is that we think there's like we attain it and then we're good. That's right. And that's that's something that has to be like blown up out of mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. hundred percent. And so you have this this war um, that we kind of have to fight at times, I think, between uh, process and product. Right. And we talk about this in other aspects on the podcast in terms of the making and then the object. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I, I don't know, just asking as, as somebody who is an artist um, who deals with process, process and product mm-hmm. um, and skill. Yeah. Like know twofold how. into this is kind of like what was your expectation jumping into like an entrepreneurial pursuit? And then what has been your experience in terms of the focus on process or product? Uh, my, I think I got lucky with time. I think in a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors are, is there's luck involved. Um, but that's 100%. also being in the right place. Like, I, th- I don't know if you guys said it before, but it, it was luck is largely the product of continually showing up. Cause if you're in the spot and it's like, you can't have a lucky thing happen if you're not in the right circumstance to even see it. Or maybe you're like, I don't even know how this is lucky, but yeah, you can't win the lottery without buying tickets. That's right. And, uh, so I had just read a book by Scott Adams, who I think is, um, he's a very good thinker, even if I don't agree with the products of his thoughts and James clear, uh, is the other, um, I'm reading his book, atomic habits. Um, again, cause it's excellent, but it's very much systems versus goals. Thinking is essentially what you're saying. Cause yeah. it's true. Uh, if you're wholly in the pursuit of goals, you achieve that goal. There's almost a sense of like despair that happens because you're, that. you're no longer in pursuit. Yeah. Cause and the finality is the finality is taken hold. So like what, that's like right. Now what? That's right. And the strength of human desire often can, I, I'd say even overpower the act of achieving or obtaining. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, it's so built on us to truly desire more and more like what the bigger aspect is. And so the v- versus status of, um, or goals versus systems is that creating a system at which produces the goals that you want rather than seeking the goal and not having the system of obtaining. It's a, a great quote is you don't rise to the level of your ambitions. You fall to the level of your habits. It's like mm, the same yeah. thought of, if, if you don't have the right habits, in place, you're going to continually essentially fall short. And so my expectations, I think, were reasonably tempered that I knew this was going to be a long time right out the back. I did not expect things immediately. And my asks from people and for people and of people were large. Mm-hmm. And understanding that requires a lot from me, really. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, I mean, you know, what's the point of like doing anything if you're not doing something worthwhile. And I think that, yeah, I mean, that's the whole statement of why it's, it started is like, I asked that question straightforward to everybody, um, is in the group at the time. And, uh, you know, it is a continual way of answering that question. And I think entrepreneurial entrepreneurship, and I'm no expert by any means. So I'm just speaking as much from experience. There's whole people who write books about entrepreneurial and the grind play hard, and, and work hard, that type of stuff. And I think it defaults to like a strange character thing. And that's a whole other different world of like the hustler mm-hmm. mindset. You know, I'm sure you've run into it. There's a difference between people who are entrepreneurs and people who give entrepreneurship seminars. That's right. Well, <laughs> well, no, that, that's which your, is the yeah, hustle. That's the, that's and that is, hustle. yeah, that's, that's their, right. So what, one of the reasons why we're doing this is, is there's a difference. <laughs> um, there are indicatives 
in, that, that are often understood past tense, like um, that you can kind of draw a circle around and say, hey, look, that's really interesting. Here's some here's a here's a cluster of commonalities between people that did these kinds of uh you know, the guy who launched a barbershop, the person who, like, yep. across the board, you can you can kind of find some indicatives. But w- what we wanted to do with this series is is let it show itself without imposing it or kind of, like, like find out what those might be by having guests on mm-hmm. who are actually in the midst of doing real things. Yes. Um, to see, to see kind of what bubbles up. Because what you don't, the problem with, the problem, the, the shortfall of that is is to kind of circumscribe it and then prescribe that is the road to success and you're like the reason why that right. won't work in that way oftentimes is because you are a embodied being with a particular personality and makeup instead of giftings and characteristics in a very particular time everything is specific you're you're in your specific situation and so you can you can learn from and, and acquire a nose for but you can't uh prescribe in such a way that it's like, well, I did this and then I do this and, and then it, it produces success. And that's right. You know, so part of the heart of this is to let these things come through anecdotally through your own experience. Well, that's the system. And I think that's why you ask about the similarities between being an artist and trying to create a system of like, I'm producing mm-hmm. good works at the same time is cause there is, I mean, I believe being an artist, there is an entrepreneurial aspect. Like yeah. I, there's, I have a great meme about it that it, it was essentially like an old photo of like um, a sickly woman dying. And it's like me as an artist trying to be a technician, a promoter, a website builder, a, photo, a photographer, an editor, uh, a curator, um, uh, you, you know, taxes? you name it, all taxes, yeah. every single aspect all at the same time. And it's like this just like shriveled old lady like sitting down. And it's like because the weight, like the actual system that you're trying to make that produces successful not exactly prescribed as you're saying but there's you are to tailor yes you're to tailor your practice as much to who you are what you do well but you know you also have to confront your weaknesses as much as possible the weight is extreme i mean you know the the metaphor of sisyphus Mm -hmm. is like thrown around all the time because that ball doesn't move up the hill without you fully present it isn't autopilot it's it's active decision-making that requires like your alertness, your awareness, uh, as much experience as you can bring to it or, um, the wisdom of other people in the field. Yeah. And it just, I just don't, it doesn't happen without those things. Yeah. 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 It sounds like some of the stuff that is kind of coming out is there's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe what we think is not actually what's necessary in some of these processes. And it seems like that, you know, that comes out as we do them. Um, but it sounds like things like agility and humility are kind of huge from what you're saying. Cause you're like, you know, you had to do all these different things, learn these new things, you're pivoting at any time, but you're also having to kind of like humbly go before people and be like, I do not have all of this money. That's do right. You have some of this money. That's, um, yeah, exactly and it's, you know, right. and it's, and I think that those are those, but those are two things that if we were just to look at like the cultural category of entrepreneur, we probably wouldn't put like agility and humility as some of those first tier things. That's right. Um, but it seems like they're, they're, they're things that are almost constants in even the process you've talked about, you know, going from a space where you're like, Hey, we just want to show some cool art to now it's like a much bigger idea that includes that plus others. Um, well, there's, there's characters that pervert it along the way too. you know, there'll be like the shot inside the Lambo being like, this is what it looks like when I hustle every day. (laughs) And you're like sitting inside the Lambo and it's like, 
is that what it's from? Or did you like, I don't know. You're a valet. Is, yeah. Like, are you just sitting in a, and yeah. the internet lies constantly? It's, uh, yeah. So I think when you say agility and humility, like that isn't necessarily seeming like a given where I'd say it's like of the utmost importance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I think when we talk about entrepreneurship, I think that that image of like Lambo hustle, like do your do type of whole deal that like, that's the first things that come into my mind when I think about it. Cause I don't use the word like I'm being an entrepreneur today. <laughs> I'm going to put on my jimmies and go meet the people. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really helpful point for me to hear. Cause I feel like probably a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing something don't consider themselves as entrepreneurs because they think of themselves as people who are trying to do the thing they're doing. That's right. Yeah. And then other people around them are like, Oh, that's, what we call that, what that's we right. call that productive yeah, yeah, yeah. use yeah, that's how and we creative to do, to is entrepreneurship. Yeah. But that person's just like, no, I'm I'm here to start a gallery. I'm here to start a restaurant. I'm want to found this business. I want to produce this product. That's right. Um, that's what my goal is. Um, so and other really people are, are in lieu of that. And so when we create a sort of a meme culture or a, a public persona of the entrepreneur, that's a lot of people who are probably not doing it crafting this image with all the sort of benefits that they associate with that image and then saying, right. I want all those benefits and almost in, potentially leaving behind the real entrepreneurs sort of in the dust as oh, they're totally. continuing to work and try to do their thing. And yep. then it, it just skews a lot of focus away. So then we're like, Oh, well you're not a real project entrepreneur cause you don't look like the cultural template. Yep. Um, and therefore I can't really trust you because you're not taking shots in the Lambo. That's right. And I guarantee like, just for, you know, the grandest example, you talk to Elon Musk at no point is he going to say I'm an entrepreneur. Like he, it wouldn't, I don't think that word would ever be even thought about him. But at the same time I was listening to a talk about him of just like what Tesla is as a company and not to go down this super rabbit hole, but he said, it's actually more like 12 companies and he Mm -hmm. starts breaking down each piece of it and no one in the audience going like, wow, what an entrepreneur is, you know, like, it's just a, it's a, it's a really heavy culturally soaked word or label that you yeah. can put on things. And like, if anyone who's done it, maybe in hindsight, he'd be like, yeah, that was entrepreneurial, uh, or that was an entrepreneurship. Uh, I just, it's the same thing of like sitting in your studio and be like, time to be an artist. Like it's not, it's a strange, <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah. It's just yeah, a strange like descriptor yeah, yeah. and we're describing probably the broadest brush or canvas you can make. Like yeah. what is more broad than being entrepreneur? You're trying to make a thing happen. It's, and it's yeah. like, so yeah. real fast too, real fast. So it would be by accident that on the heels of the saturation series, we would start this off. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, you know, we kind of, in our first episode, we screamed at the idea like of saying the word entrepreneurship. I even said like, I'm rolling my eyes at myself right now as yeah. I say it to, to, to kind of poke at exactly what you're saying. And, and I said, this would almost really qualify as like a rethink. And then we were, and then part of that is like, but after we, we talked to everybody, then we'll do the rethink. But part of okay. that is the idea. So part of this conversation is the fact that here's this, here's this word that it's been, um, saturated with like meaning to the point of evisceration like it's almost mm-hmm. like it's like it's it's stretched so far that it, it it's lost its value and it's often in a designator for things that have little to do with actually doing things more it has to do with being in front of the lambo for people like mm-hmm. so all the all the posers so to speak that want the identity value of it 
um, in the notion of autonomy and agency and freedom right. to like couch surf and say, well, I've got this thing I'm working on and it's like, it never happens. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's the fact that it is problematic. It's, it's partly why we're doing this. And then and it's like by letting people's real stories emerge, uh, that is, um, a great way of connecting actuality definitionally to the term and seeing, seeing what, and like risking it and seeing what comes up the other side. Like, so we can honestly say like, there's a sense where we don't know, uh, uh, and that will be, that will unfold in some ways as we have guests on, you know, and as conversations okay. emerge, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So just to kind of land you further into, um, what you're already doing is exactly what we'd hope for. And like, you know, just in this conversation, it's like, man, it's like discovery mode. It's like, okay, uh, there is jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, is it jargon. Mm-hmm. And boy, can certain institutions, I won't name names, render the most significant words as pure jargon with automaton-like expressions of, yes. you're going to go transform the world. And mm-hmm. you're the next generation until I say that next semester and I say the same thing again. And then you're the gen... And it's like... You just have to make it happen. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Just go, go make it happen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's all. It's easy, dude. It's easy. easy. So easy. easy. Simplest easy. thing in the world. So easy. And yeah. I know that you don't have any skills and you got through school with <laughs> grades given to you. And we haven't given you exterior experiences in which you can hone those skills yeah. in any real way. So it's a do or die situation once you leave. Yeah. But we care about you. Right. I we promise. You. We promise. Promise don't. we care about you. Yeah. Also, you got some money we could hold for a minute. Hey, you're by the alumni. way, yeah, you're alumni. Can you? Can you give some money from that job that we helped you get? Oh, yeah. wait, you're not working? Oh, wait, you're paying tough. off on average $100,000 in debt? Did so you just get getting debt? weirdly specific. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, share experience. One of the things you uh, just listened to the story, Ian, and um, that idea of uh, systems or habits and then goals um, is I feel like there's a third element in there, and that's values. Mm-hmm. And I don't use that necessarily in the term of like the value is the way we, we were previously talking about like mm-hmm. creating things that have value. But there's there's a component that as you you have processes, you have habits or systems or ways of doing things that are ongoing, mm-hmm. along with sort of goalposts, you do actually mm-hmm. want to accomplish something. That's right. But the backdrop of that is what are your values or what do you value mm-hmm. that would motivate how you do your habits and what your goals are. Mm. And the thing that um, sort of stood out to me is what you're doing cares about people in a way and how you invited other people to come with you to do something that you're like, I've got this idea for a gallery that would be cool in and of itself, but it's way better if it's with people and benefiting people, um, both the artists and then also the people who can come and see the art. And then as you're working through those steps to build out Endeavor and obtain the space, it's not, well, I just have this um, habit of starting art galleries, so I'm just going to keep at it. Um, and it's I gotta, not. I got I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta a problem. Fix. Um, we got to get this gallery built. I need just one more. But you're yeah. also not just like a, a, a redevelopment architecture fetishist where you're just like, I got to get this building done for yeah. its own sake. There's yeah. a, a, a set of values that you have that's oriented towards who you care no about, what you yeah. care about, that's informing um, once you achieve those goals, who those goals are actually going to benefit. That's right. Um, which I think in the entrepreneurship conversation, a lot of times value can just get restricted to 
profit, profit, money, very sort of restricted ideas of return on investment oh, yeah. that get you the Lamborghini, mm-hmm. not that actually produce the sort of flourishing society that then a developer might want to come and step on. I think there's a spot yeah. within that as well where like uh, entrepreneurship, we have to think of it very much as that that first kind of phase, right? So uh, the entrepreneur who doesn't want to build something that lasts is pointless. A venture capitalist. Like, yeah, just a venture capitalist. And it's pointless, right? Because you just want the quick. You want to build it. And then like, oh, well, you know, if it fizzles, whatever. I'm not going to deal with it. Um, but what you're talking about, Cody, those values, like those are the things that actually connect us to real people that, that, that impact communities and spaces. And so where you look for things that have started and then things that have lasted, the ones that last provide actual real value and service because they operate on values that, that go beyond like, have I made some money? Mm-hmm. And when you see, especially within the tech space, uh, entrepreneurial pursuits that then turn into like uh, dehumanizing, destructive, trivial, pathetic things. Yes, very trivial. Like we no longer like revere that as something positive, right? So I got a new crypto coin. It's called Wiener Coin. Mm-hmm. You guys want to buy like a million dollars worth? <laughs> and it's got Madonna with a tree. Oh yeah, yeah. She's I throwing mean, that's a tree. So deep. And centipedes are coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, no, that's not. my NFT, dude. I'm going to, uh, yeah. Oh, man. NF- <laughs> NFT, not for something. I don't know. Madonna, no. No, Madonna, stop. 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 You stop. Suck. Yeah. you suck. I said it. Madonna, you suck. <laughs> I have to say it. I don't have to be the jerk I can't today. Hand- yeah, I can't handle it. I'm in a bad mood today. I can't handle it anymore. Madonna, you suck. You're terrible. Mm-hmm. Just I, stop. I'm actually getting a folder that I'm screenshotting NFTs because it turns out they're actually pretty fungible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I actually I actually own it. Mm. That is that is the treasure. Uh without going too much down the rabbit hole, I actually did a deep dive on what an NFT is and when you actually get into the code, you are essentially buying the treasure map and not the treasure. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is that you have Invert. the you have the um the map to El Dorado, but you have no gold. Right? Yep. Because anyone who observes the image, you own the image. Yeah. You took the screenshot. In effect, you, you have got the full you value ha- event. You have the experience. I press screen record uh, on the Madonna thing, and she's like, okay, I'm selling these for whatever, 500000 yeah. something, Ethereum or whatever it was. And she's selling it for I'm like, cool, I own it. Thank you. Yep. What uh, am I? If what you're did Madonna's I lose? lawyer, please don't sue Enes. That's right. Well, actually, they can't. It's on the internet. It's like it's on free space. Like I found yeah. it first. It was a CNN article or something like that. I don't know what it was. Um, yep. I just remember it was red. Uh, but I, I looked at them. Um, should have known what I was getting into, but I observed what I see. And, uh, and you're like, this is garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, like it's bad good. art made. Well, I won't I won't say to because the Beeple is the guy who made it. He's the one who blew up the whole NFT. He as far as 3D modeling is exceptionally good yeah uh but what he's modeling has yeah. got some trouble but uh, sorry to totally derail but no, it's a it's, it wouldn't be a shock for us yeah. if we don't if we don't the brain, brain, brain. brain but i think that's good because that that shows that values aren't guaranteed and yes. different people have different values and what those yes. people's values are are actually going to produce different habits of practice yeah. and that's right different goals and some people are if, cake if but they I, are, if they aren't defined, though, they will come to be defined by the lack. 
of the value. Like or everything you assume values um, that are already culturally present that you don't realize and you would just default into other people's That's right. values. So based on assumption and I mean, what you said about people, it's like everything that I described to you was uh, the only reason it's the size that Endeavor has become of what it is is because of other people. Mm -hmm. Like there's a no part like, wouldn't it be cool if it was this big? I say, I don't think this is even big enough because of how much um, how fertile the soil is in yes. Richmond. And it's mm -hmm. like all the time I'm running into it, whether it's across the street or somewhere downtown or, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget that it's Shaco, not Shaco Valley. Um, You're do you close. know the, you know the one that I'm talking yes. about? It's in the old bottling factory. Yep. What is the name of that? I know what you mean. Either way, it's a, uh, they used to make, it was the precursor to seven up. Try me. Is it try me? You might know. Yeah, is it called Try Me? The, about the soda? Yeah, it was the old Try Me. You might be right. Anyway, you can go into the basement and it's flooded. It's been there for so long that wood crates have become actual sludge by the age. So there's a, a, a tall stack of wooden crates and by the, the moisture in the basement and it's like Ooh. concrete and it, it is as dark as dark can be. So there's a room you can go in that's under, it's actually a huge room. You have your hand two inches away from your nose and you can't see it. And then you go up one flight of stairs and there is a wood shop, a car shop, a custom design. There is, there's painting, there's 15 artist painter studios, there's designers, there's yep. tattoo shops in every single corner. And we're walking on the ground and there's soot two inches tall that as you step, it's like plumes out and it's just sitting there and it has like 30 artists in it. It has and implications for people's health. It definitely does, and but that's the thing is that it's such in a lack of of meaningful spaces that are generating this that people are defaulting are to go to this, and there is actually like when you walk around, like you feel it because you're breathing in uh, particulates that are thick, like mm. it's it's gonna build up over time, and at the same time they're making great works at the same yeah. time so it's like this you're making an argument for why we're we're pursuing what we're doing is coming absolutely yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. Well, we've been working on this whole time i yeah. i believe it yep. and so it's just like richmond is in that state and you've described boston you've described new york like these things happen and this is what the creators are essentially um i don't want to say it is kind of forced into like yes. if if you could choose a place that did have um, nicely conditioned air filtered air with great sunlight, then you would choose that over dusty, dingy old seven up bottle factory. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think, think you, you would. would like, it does <laughs> have an allure at the same time. It's oh, kind of, what is it? I was, it was it's a lecture sweet. that I heard and yeah. I can't remember who said it, but they were just talking about why artists should be valued. And they were making the point that like all the major cities in Europe get so much revenue from tourism because of all of the quality artistic and architectural works That's right. that exist in them. And it's like, yeah. and if people hadn't been doing that stuff in those cities for mm -hmm. like centuries, no one would care to go to Paris or, That's right. you know, Amsterdam or any of the yep. other uh, amazing cities that people do really value. Um, and it's frustrating because there's that lack of foresight where it's like, if we actually gave some creative people who are doing good things, some like healthy spaces to work in, uh, Richmond might be a city that we'd people actually be coming to for hundreds that, of years. Yeah, that people right. want to come see buildings for hundreds of years. But no one's coming to see the Panera 
uh, Taco Bell aesthetic building <laughs> that is happening in every urban downtown space. Like yep. nobody is coming to see that well, in 20 years. Right. So that, that's the argument that I was making uh, right when getting back from Amsterdam and I did the podcast. Because yeah. I was like, the reason that I was there is because beauty and aesthetic and design is a value into itself to the point that they're having a housing crisis because so many people want to live there. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's put a pin in that. We're oh. going to take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back from the conversation because I think there's some good spaces to jump off into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so welcome back. So um, we want to pick up where we left off. Uh, we got, uh, you know, so we got ANC Hess here. Um, and w- when we left, Ian, what you were talking about was, um, uh, you know, Cody had mentioned that uh, there was this history throughout Europe of really people making things in these cities. And that was what was really bringing people in, um, that it was more of a, a context in society um, that was easy to draw folks in because they had been making and creating and doing things kind of existing in this kind of entrepreneurial, if you will, sort of spirit. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, with your time in Amsterdam, and you talked about it on a previous episode we had you on, um, just about like how unique the space was and alive it felt and everything else. But you started talking about how that um, really, um, you know, activated your imagination in some ways and like uh, did some things. So what I wanted to uh, kind of follow up with is based on that experience, I mean, is there anything there that kind of you know, change the way you saw Richmond or were there things that you wanted to kind of uh, bring in and uh, and do? Were there, were there things that you saw that you were like, how does that actually get leveraged in the place where I am? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Beyond the guy in the I, bathtub playing the trumpet the or trumpet. whatever it was. The trumpet. <laughs> the trumpet bath guy? Yeah. Oh, man, bathtub man. What a chama. He's... Uh, and he got state funded, right? I mean, wasn't he like... He sport? did. The yeah, government awesome. sought him out and rather than arresting him or covering his peen, they uh, gave him money. He said, you should keep being in a bathtub and playing a trumpet. Uh, Which, you know, directionally, as far as um, boosting up the people in your city, um, albeit weird, um, a lot of those things, other than bathtub man, speak for themselves (laughs) that are clearly, that are demonstrable in a city. I don't know if I want to go to bathtub man is my ultimate example, but I get the the larger point. But you see him in your mind, and he'll live on through all of us. Yeah. Bless bathtub man. And so anyways, this, this opens up, um, I probably the long-term plan of like, I, uh, in my passionate descriptions to people who have the unfortunate, um, either accident of asking me about Amsterdam, which is normally an hour later of (laughs) me talking about how much I like it is, uh, I was, I was genuinely impacted, not like a little bit impact, but to actually, um, have my mind changed about making life enjoyable for the most amount of pe- people possible in the healthiest, intelligent way that you can make things. That when a city is designed from the ground up to be hospitable, livable, and as to key and where we were, aesthetic, beauti- beautiful, mm, yeah. not on the surface, but in its design, in its structure. And I think it's... um. Uh, I, 
I don't want to misprescribe it, but I think right. it was Winston, Winston Churchill that said, first we build our buildings and then our buildings build us. Mm. And whether it was him or not, it's still true. Um, because I found myself, even just perceptually, I felt myself cognitively, cognitively freed up to consider more positive and healthy generative thoughts because my mind was not focusing on what was wrong, what was badly designed, what was frustrating, or what was ugly. I was infatuated by what was done beautifully. I mean, to, to a degree that their row houses, for example, defined, uh, that was essentially the first skyscrapers. They have largely uh, heralded a new paradigm of design that one fits in a lot of people into a small amount of space, but does so beautifully. And I mean, if you've ever looked up the architecture, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you it's hard to use other words other than that's just beautiful. It it's is. just well done. And so the overarching point is I find more and more that beauty, and you've said before you have problems with that word. I'm okay we, with you. I'm talk. not going to debate with you. Don't okay. Worry. Yeah, yeah um, I'm not. I I'm think, okay with it. I have issue with it, but it's like real sincere. You mean in its use? Or phil- like philosophical it's, issue with Okay. The grounding of beauty, which is a mm-hmm. whole huge aesthetic discussion, and it's not like like uh, shallow. And I'm not judging people because it's to have a problem with it is not to say that I don't have to use it at times. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good with yeah. what you're what you're pointing to. So sometimes it feels tries to feel too big of a hole. That's fair. It's hard. That's to qu- fair. It's hard to quantify. Yeah. What what we mean by that? But in, it's also in, demonstrated when you see it, like mm-hmm. that word, it comes up, and yeah. it, it's okay. A lot of the time. That's probably a whole other podcast. Yes, podcast on rethinking yes. beauty. Yeah. Ooh. Anyways, uh, to use we'll that word, uh, I I find that beauty is a utility. And if we're talking about macroeconomics of a country, why why do you go why do you go to Italy? <laughs> to see the Italians. To yeah. see the Italians, to see their architecture, to Eat see their, their unbelievable arts. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely the food, the the whole culture, but Italy without its buildings is, is it, Italy. Is it Italy? No. Like I, I don't think so at all. Without its museums, like why, why go to Thailand? And it's like, well, they have some of the most beautiful temples in the world. You'll just be stumbling along. It's like, oh, nice, two thousand year old temple <laughs> that defies my sense of what is possible with a small amount of tools. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's like, without these spaces, why do we travel around? And so, okay, Italy's one of the biggest tourist hotspots in the world. Okay, France is one of the biggest tourist hotspots in the world. Why? And Mm -hmm. each time I answer that question, I find the, uh, well, how it extends in large part of culture and it's question of this kind of like chicken before the egg, like what really grew out of this, what grew out of this first, but we visit those places to see the aspects in which they mastered themselves culturally and their outputs so that we could partake in those cultures because of how specific they are. Mm. France is very French. When you go there, it's like the Eiffel Tower is unmistakably a um, French object in that space. And so the buildings, uh, the aesthetic qualities, um, I believe is a a resource that is more than gold Mm -hmm. because we're talking about human attention. We're talking about people being impacted, inspired by the works. So it's like a resource that continually gains value over time if it's done with a level of quality that's m- meant to exist beyond just like a goal to mm-hmm. tie it into our lives. Like, oh, I just want to like make a gas station here. Like they're making things that I, 
is in order to transcend as much time as possible. They use materials that handle the most wear, that are the heaviest, the most difficult to impact, whether natural disaster or you name it, even yeah. f- survive fires. And so they, in their creation, and I'm obsessed more and more so with ancient history, so if we're looking at objects like just easy examples, the pyramids. Mm-hmm. The pyramids, oh, yeah. and or even um, in Cusco, Peru, the they have 12-sided stones that weigh anywhere between 12 tons to 200 tons. Mm -hmm. And they have 12 sides. And the way that they're actually stacking them makes them earthquake proof. That's crazy. And so we're talking about, okay, this is before uh, what we contemporarily define as human history. And they have some sense of a degree, you know, obviously not for the end of tourism. (laughs) It's not why they were, I don't think the Egyptians were like, yo, people from Kansas are going to love we could drop it right in a big city. That's right. But to make things with the highest degree possible that our technology and our awareness can manifest or construct and to do so um, that it lasts the most amount of time to not make things that are like the iPhone that needs to be replaced in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Disposable <laughs> culture, man. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we I think we're in some sense, drowning in the fruits, or you could say the rotten fruits of what has become essentially like trash, like hubris. You could say hubris as well. And And we still travel all across the world just to observe at a distance the things that they made when their their values were different, I will say. So as far as aesthetic value, I put it um, it in like a realm of high ethics, I think of extreme concentration of aesthetics you have a sense of an ethical understanding and that it is meaningful for people to be surrounded by beauty Mm. no i think that's i think that's huge um because i know that it is something just from the span of time span of existence that these cultures have been in those places uh the fact that we're like only a small percentage of that time here in the states Mm -hmm. based on their percentage based on their their scope i mean it makes me think back to uh you know in, a, in an episode earlier this year, we talked about like uh, the audacity and the uh, failure of a museum that would have to tell its audience what it's there for. Um, imagine if you turning went, a museum into a meme is what we said. Yeah, so just imagine that you was that to happening some place in Richmond, like uh, Paris, and you were like, they were like, "Hey guys, this is a beautiful place," and you're like, "Oh what?" And you're like, "No, no, no I just we just wanted to explain it to you. This is a beautiful place." These things are beautiful. And this, this is, is what great. you should know from it. And this, this is what you should know from it and how you should act. Right. But what it, the, the reason I'm talking about this in terms of the museum is like if you go back to the, in the etymology of the word museum, it really is about a, a space for muses, right? A space where you are like enlivened, where maybe mm-hmm. more of your humanity. Mused is to be. think deeply. Yes. Right. So more of, more of the, the reality, more of the ingraining, more of the depth, more of the ability to get into something like, really real should be there. So when you're talking about like a place like Amsterdam, Paris, Rome, wherever it is, like I think of those cities as these types of museums. That's right. Because there are these aesthetic experiences. The city as museum. Yeah. Where I'm coming in there and saying, Oh, here's like, Oh my gosh. And it's the thing that I've always felt. Um, I mean, I haven't been back since, since COVID, but it's the thing I always felt before uh, in New York where you go and there's just like an electricity that like 
it's like a high that extends when you come back home yep. because there's so many things going on, so much culture that's happening, so many aesthetic experiences. That's the power of cities. That are there. Yep. And so when those things happen, like I, I, yeah, everything you're saying about wanting to like bring some of that and make it contextually real. Yes. Yeah. To Richmond and the experience that we have within the space we are in. I'm time sl- we're in. slowly Amsterdamizing Richmond. And my, I've, I've brought a uh, fouette to two different <laughs> restaurants. Or to two uh, grocery stores now because mm-hmm. I went to the the meat, the butchers, and I was like, do you know about Fouet? And all of them said no. And it's essentially like a sausage link of sorts, but it's it's held in, um, oh, I'm going to forget the term. It's sort of like a white powder. It's a preservation yeah, yeah. that's natural, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's just very greasy. It's almost like a dog treat, honestly, like the way that it's presented. But I, I like what you're selling. I man. went to Amsterdam and I, I ate it every Sounds single like a day. Sounds like dude. It's kind of like a Slim Jim, but not like filled with like Jim. formaldehyde or whatever. Since Slim Jim, Slim Jims are scary, yeah. man. They are scary, Dude. yeah. If you really want to break it down, yeah. But I, I'm, I am slowly like even uh, Stroop waffles. Yes, dude. Don't even, don't even talk about. They're that. slowly popping up more and more spaces because, I mean, even if we're talking food, I mean, sixty uh, percent of the Lombardi Kroger is what's within, not what's going on outside. <laughs> <laughs> what's within 60% of it would be illegal to sell in Europe. hundred percent in Amsterdam. Like yeah. you go down the grocery stores aisles and it's like, where's all the, this is the, the thing. This is the, where's all the red food. This is the yes. tension though between. So gosh, man, and I don't want to, I really don't want to go into this. So just to say that there's a reason why America happened, mm-hmm. you know, and so what what was lost is this richness we speak of. Yes. And then what was gained was a certain amount of freedom to do like incredible things, like make the space shuttle or something, right? Like which there has been absolutely. Yeah. 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 So there's been incredible things, but there's also something else that's going on. It's like a fatal. It's a fatal flaw across the board. But like, so it's interesting because it's like you have um, authoritarian. You know, if you're um, living in France right now, that's right. There's talking with someone who's there. It's like. There's some interesting oh, things yeah. going on. That, it's very that, true. You know, or if you're it's living a double-edged in, sword, it's a double-edged sword. It's it's not utopia. Yeah, and that's the point. And so it's difficult because it's like there's some. It's like man, um, you want it all, and it's like um, imports. It's like imports. It's like what Disney tried to do, man. Like Disney tried to make little little Italy and little France and little Paris and little. Yep. And you know that was not like a kitsch thing for him in his mind. He was like trying to import utopia into los angeles right like he had a utopic vision mm-hmm. and um here we are uh how um yeah disney's got some problems now they've yeah. uh they've made a quite a few problems for themselves and it's like it's a corruption what is uh, there's an old statement that it's like those who felt the strongest when corrupted are the most corrupt or something do you know what i'm talking about mm. like it's it's a, a certain level of like a, a utopic vision that when like the you've the vision can be so strong that the slight corruption of it becomes like the strongest nightmare mm. in some sense. There's some quote around it, but there's yes, in some sense I am total rose-colored glasses about what's going on in Amsterdam. I'm focusing on what's good and how those good things happened as much as I can, like really No, I think that's a great I think it's digging great, into um, it yeah. because I mean the the we most, talked about extrusion in the, the first episode just 
before you go in. So we talked yeah. about extruding things entrepreneurially, like, um, and so you're kind of, you're actually talking about it in those terms. So there's no disinvalidation of that, mm-hmm. of that. And what I'm saying about that tension was more of just a description of like, man, it's hard because you, 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 you're like, there's no clean referent that you can be like, there it is cleanly. Yeah. It's like, man, there's that. And there's like, but I think that's that, one of the spaces where like entrepreneurship can really be powerful. Yes. Uh, because like really the definition is like, you know, you, you, uh, you either, um, you either extract or you create economic value. Right. And so it's there. Um, and so this idea of like extrusion and making it, it's like, it's like you're either making it or taking it. Right. And so we see a lot of options where we're like, Oh, I just, I'm just going to take that kind of wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're talking about is more in that make space. That's right. Uh, where it's like, I see some of these aspects and I kind of want to bundle them. That's right. In a specific way. And I think there, there are a lot of very rich, long conversations within like entrepreneurial space, within art spaces, within uh, especially like city building, uh, where it's it's uh, it's not a question of like erase and fill in wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. uh, even though we had some of that stuff with like City Beautiful, um, where it was just like, oh, tear down Paris, let's build it new. You know, it's like, well, how would you do that? Oh. Instead, why don't we take some of these things where we look at stuff and we say, oh, yeah. there's there's actually a country on the other side of the pond, and they really care so much about the in, ingraining of arts in mm-hmm. the public sphere that they provide a larger amount of their their like city and jurisdictional budgets to support some of that. Yeah. And, and wouldn't it be great or if there were more places so that they, did that? They and used to. And now you're making a case for globalism. <laughs> oh God. I'm not trying to. <laughs> That's how hard it is. But what I'm saying is that we can actually take things from places part and parcel because I think that the core of entrepreneurship uh, really is this idea of um, this piece here and this piece here, what happens when they go together? Right, and so you can say, uh, I can look at this, this, uh, this, this realm, economic realm. Like, you know, I can look at like restaurants, and then I can say, well, wouldn't it be cool if people had that experience within their own home? Uh, oh, I'm a chef. Well, okay, well, what if instead of you coming into my restaurant, you actually hire me to come into your house? Mm-hmm. So we can take these pieces and put them together in new ways. So what you're describing is what Mary Shelley prophetically described, which is uh, Frankenstein. I mean, I don't. I don't no, think so. I don't think so. Um, no, no. But I am. But I. What I am saying is like that's the. I'm just being the the negative person today. I guess. You know um, what a downer. I, I know I'm a downer today. Man. Listen, sometimes Gareth's been a downer. Like, so you Equal know, opportunity downers. No, so with that mustache, a, that thing points up, baby. Yeah, that's it's true. forever but it gesturing, go, but it goes way down towards first. the divine. It's got to go down to go up, bro. It's not. So that's here's right. the thing. Um, no, no. I, I'm. I'm saying though. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, and also cautionary tale is we, we yeah. sometimes end up with Frankenstein and not what, no, totally. And so I, I just want to make sure, I just want to keep putting the tension in that, like in the, the weightiness of considering things mm-hmm. like in the weightiness of like, and I know that you're doing that too. So I'm just, yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, balancing yeah. the I, conversation. I yeah. It's just more to be like, it's just to keep the Achilles heel kind of in the conversation totally to say, um, you know, because Dr. Frankenstein had good intentions. No, totally. He he wanted to create life. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm saying it's prophetic, where it's like you pick and pick and pull. Yeah. Um. And pick well, and, pick he, and pull culture produces pick and pull people. Yeah, but also, but, but I think there's an, also an argument in there where it's like uh, creative practice has never been anything but pick and pull. Yes, and that's why that's why there's a finer discussion on aesthetic reality 
the nature of beauty and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is, is um, then it becomes a much more sophisticated conversation around uh, the way in which things are formed. That's right. Um, and is it is it a disparate pick and pull? And and it's also then like what 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 there's what can we do? Which is the whole Dr. Frankenstein conversation. Mm-hmm. And what should we do? Um. Because I can make a driverless car because people are texting, which is you're not saying this, so I'm not. <laughs> right, don't right. feel, yeah, I'm just rabbit trailing. But, but because I can, honestly, doesn't mean that I should. Why? Well, perhaps it's actually better for people to actually take responsibility and drive cars. Mm-hmm. Sadly, that's not where we're headed. Yeah, yeah. we're headed towards smart cities where we don't drive. So where we just sit in the car looking at our phone. Um, so in the I'm, smart cities where we don't even wipe, baby. Yeah, we don't wipe. Yeah, so uh, the, that's exactly right. I've been saying yep. that for years. And then a little laser beam touches you. I've been saying this for years. and says, please wipe again. Please wipe again. And then you're like, I can't get up from the toilet. And you're stuck in the bathroom. It locks you in. While it malfunctions you. And so you're just <laughs> stuck in there. And it's it's accusing you of not not being ready to leave the toilet. Would like, you like a new Mickey D, Sunny D poured into your mouth? Beep, beep. While swiping? Yeah. Welcome, Wally. But... <laughs> But I, but I mean, it really, so this gets into, so the question of can I, should I, is a, a, a question of wisdom and dare I say, I hate, you know, like worldview or something like, cause you said high ethics. So, and Gareth is speaking to, I think the most positive yeah, yeah, yeah. approach to this. So it's like, um, there, it, we're not starting from a clean slate and that means that we have to actually defer to other people that are wise well, yeah, I yeah. think with that, the, the way that you like fill out that conversation from what I was saying is that you um, you get Disneyland mm-hmm. if you just grab, mm-hmm. right? In Disneyland, uh, if you've ever been there for more than like, I don't know, a few hours, it, it kind of is hell. Um, <laughs> like there, it's not a place you want to stay is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah, you, you want to stay for the day. That's about it. Yeah, you wouldn't move into Disneyland. No, you wouldn't live like, there. I'm happy to live here. And, and if, you, They're if making you're out there homes. and you do want to move into Disneyland, like we can have other conversations. <laughs> Because the magic will go away. As soon as you live there, the magic will leave, and then you'll be like, "This sucks." They have Disney villages. There's homes inside of Disney that you drive. You take the trolley tram, and they bring you like right into Epcot. So that's not what we want, right? (laughs) So, but I think, uh, but I think that you know, when you when you look at this, it does become a larger conversation of like, you know, why even to your point earlier, Ian, like why you would talk to all these different people. At one level. That's right. And you're like, okay, bring more people into this. Like there is something like, like where, where would we get that wisdom for how to apply kind of an entrepreneurial spirit? Does it come from politicians and mayors and things like that? I would say never. Probably not. Never. Um, but the other thing with it is, um, you know, we, uh, when we talk about something like entrepreneurship, we still perpetuate this idea of the lone genius, not in their studio, but in some other thing. That's the point I'm getting to. And so we still sit here and we say, oh, uh, in the spirit of Dr. Frankenstein, I know what I can do. Yes. Because uh, one thing that I always tell my students within these conversations is like, come up with your idea and just assume from the beginning that it's garbage. Because ideas can usually be in three categories. Already done, Mm -hmm. novel, or not impressive. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, And I can tell you. Can it be actually bad, though? Well, I would put that in uh, um, not impressive. That's a world. Okay, view, that's a world view <laughs> category. Go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just good and bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Because in in a space of idea, uh, idea building, I would say that any idea that's not impressive is categorically bad. Okay. 
Because you're like, what if we had, I mean, think of like what McDonald's did a few months ago. And they're like, what if we sold you stuff where like we put the chicken nuggets on the burger? And you're like, that's an unimpressive idea. Yeah, unimpressive idea. I meant not from a judgment point, but like enacting bad things. Oh, no, that's that's totally a thing. That's a moral category. But then you get into ever increasing complexity where it's like, have you made a bad thing? Has it been implemented badly? Has it been put into the wrong space in society? I think this gets to what you're talking about, Ryan. Yeah. Where it's like. It's dehumanizing. Have we taken the thing where it's like, no, actually what might be best is. Well, if somebody was like, oh, we're just going to have personal chefs go into people's homes now. Well, after the last two years, that might actually not be the best thing for society. Mm-hmm. What might be best is to say, I will never go in your home because I want you to go to a restaurant and sit around other people and once again have human connection. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, there's all these different things. So when we talk about like entrepreneurship and why I think entrepreneurship and the arts work so well together is because in the studio, if all you say is this color on surface eh, and you do it, everybody would say, oh, there's no way that you're being an artist. But if you say, how does this color impact this? Where's this thing going to live? Who are the people I'm really dealing with? You start thinking about all the myriad questions that go into the contextualization of how that thing matters. Then you get into a place where you're like, oh, I get why art is important. Mm -hmm. But if you approach it with the same thing where it's like, me have idea, me make new thing, like that entrepreneurship is garbage and trash and needs to be burned. But if you can sit there and say, there's this entire ecosystem there's this entire way that people work. There's entire communities that are built and destroyed and helped and hurt. Um, there's entire ways we could bring things together. There's actually flourishing and goodness and things that we should be a- approaching. Yeah, like then you start to get categorical spaces where you're like, am I am I doing? Am I thinking at least through these things? Yeah. And what are these? And everything is is so so maybe to, everything is not it's not merely an end in itself, but it actually then is. Is so in terms of goals and outcomes, like it, it actually points for something. So, for instance, TikTok, no, mm-hmm. uh, in 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 not by preference, but by the fact that it's destroying people's lives, and it was meant to. So it doesn't produce human flourishing. It actually produces the opposite. Now, somebody may be wise enough to exploit it and get some likes and some money and things like that. But now we're talking ethics, morals, and worldview. So you're you're like justifying the the uh, the or the means or justifying the end or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like right. So. But um, so you're thinking at one level and it's, it's a good for me. But when you put it into the next level, it's like, but the, that, that doesn't ripple out into being uh, something that's really good for other people. Um, yeah, and and it was that, made actually to be bad. It was made from the beginning to be bad, just to, to kind of to your question, your point. And yeah. this goes back yeah. to why I would even care about asking about like process versus yeah. product. And why I would say the thing about, um, oh, well, making the thing is just the start. Right. You know, getting it going because um, and this leads into the next question I really want to ask you Ian, is like um, when we think about entrepreneurial pursuit, entrepreneurial pursuits, when we think about kind of making, we think about the the first part, which is like the birthing of it. Right. You have the conception, you have the um, the the incubation and you have the birthing of it, and then the which is which is really where you are. Right. You're in that sort of incubation moving towards mm-hmm. birth stage for with 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 this idea. Um, but then after that, you have the entire lifespan of the thing. Like That's right. It has to live somewhere, and you and you hope that it has life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any idea, Very much you so. hope that it extends. And so, you know, what we've kind of been talking about through these th- this this episode is, okay, like the past, kind of where you've come from and where everything is, uh, kind of the things in the now, like ideas you're sort of thinking about or thinking through. But then all of that stuff and the the like the the wisdom or or intellectual weight of those things, like, has it made you kind of reconsider some things in the future? Do you have a clear idea about where you want this to land? Like, do you, 
Is, is there anything about the future that has kind of become a bit more solid through this or has even just changed drastically as you've gone through the process from where it started? Good it, question. Probably more so currently from what I can see and I experience as lifestyle, I'm having to confront every aspect of myself that is, I'd say, insufficient to be, or at least to be aware of it, if I can't necessarily do anything about it, because in the incubation period, um, and I was saying it last podcast, is like if I, as it stands right now, if I'm not doing it, it is not advancing. Yeah. yeah. So, and and it's like, if I was being really hard on myself, I'd be like, well, I could be working on it right now instead of doing a podcast. Like I don't think that, but We're it's like how hard, very much so. I love being with you guys so much. So, but it's like, it's how hard, it's, it's, it's awareness of self, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you, I could be so hard on myself to the point that I'm making myself essentially feel guilty mm-hmm. by like going out and getting a drink with someone because yeah. it's just, it's carrying the weight of this thing. And so there's been, a, there's been times where I've been so hard on myself that I actually didn't do anything. Yeah. That I'm just like sitting around being like, I'm, like not fit for the job Hmm. essentially. So for what I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make essentially a living organism of a business that has a lot of constituent parts that uh, weave either semi seamlessly or seamlessly together that are also operated by other people much beyond myself and my own capability. So uh, Cody said last time about a love of people. I love people. I love people. Mm -hmm. They're so endlessly fascinating and multifaceted and complex and strange and insightful and different. Like people are amazing. I mean, it takes two minutes of a YouTube compilation of like cool (laughs) things happened 2022 Mm -hmm. to be like, people are crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable things that people get. And my love of that, I do find that that largely motivates, um, my desire to do these things because I see so many amazing things in Richmond that are continually getting uh, like the boot or shunned or kicked out or priced out, you name it. Um, It's happening in one way or another. And it's, it's tough to see and to experience that with my closest friends, to experience it with myself in the space and um, even getting to where I'm at to be sitting and talking about with this, uh, with you guys is just, um, crazy like you asked me to describe it and it's a it's a challenge you know yeah. it's a it's yeah. a day-to-day thing I, I couldn't tell you how many strange challenges that there have been along the way that i was like how is anyone supposed to foresee that <laughs> i'm i'm even like one step farther coming into the perspective that i think there's an actual whether intentional or not systematic force that makes it extremely difficult for people to build meaningful things mm. I, yeah. And I'm I'm I so. finding out about it more and more agree. because uh, just as a, a side example, I think largely when human beings are left to their own devices, I mean, as far as building, not like red tape and yeah, government yeah. bureaucracy, when they're left to their own devices, actually the things that they generate are un- unbelievable, unbelievable. And like there's a example, I can't remember where it is right now, but it's called the the human temple, I believe, or humanity temple. There's this guy that owned a very small two-story like plot of land. And he 
always wanted to build a temple that was in some sense like an altar to just like humanity, like what it looks like to be. It was very like Grecian in its idea, like the idealistic yeah, yeah. of the human form. Like I, I love these aspects. I love the columns. I love astrology. I just want to make a place for that. And so the government just kept on shutting them down, shutting them down. I said, nope, can't do that. It's going to be way too expensive. We won't be able to get the permits. Looks like the red tape's going to take too long. It's not really up to fire code, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And so he, I forget how long it took. It might have been like 15 years of back and forth mm -hmm. trying to make this happen to the point that he said, fuck it. And he started digging down. He dug down uh, massively so, even to the point, and he had artists, he had architects, he had everyone. So they're making columns, clay workers, and you, you can check out on the inside. It's... Uh, I mean, it's not like hyper, it's not the Sistine Chapel, but this <laughs> yeah. is just a guy with his friends literally coming together to make this temple. And it has like hidden doors that are like 2000 pounds sliding stones. It's got gorgeous, like an array of just interior paintings and sculptures. And the only reason the government found out about it is because they ran into bedrock and he had to blow it up with TNT. <laughs> and so there was a noise complaint. <laughs> TNT! And so, <laughs> and so the government, the cops came through and be like, where's the noise complaint? And he's like, uh, uh, I don't know. And they're like, what's that? And it's like, nothing. And it was like an entrance down beneath. And so they come in and they're like, what? Like, do I arrest you? I, I don't even know. And so the government had to be like, all right, you, you did something amazing. We'll designate it as a museum. And uh, now it's you know, sometimes you have to do it so people can actually understand. That's it. and that's right. And that's that is yeah. the entrepreneurial vision of yes. that. You have to against all odds, against all resistance, uh, unforeseen circumstances. If you have the vision for something, you simply must follow through mm -hmm. with it. Now, because, this, is, this is the and there's a dark side to that as well, that's what I was gonna which say. I this think you're going to say. Yeah, no, I mean, this is the problem. <laughs> this is why, though, right? This yeah, is the, this is the dilemma. Yeah, like I was thinking about the beauty of like the Watt, Watts Towers, which is a guy who made these in his house. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And like it's like a, a thing that people look to. Coral Castle, too, is another one. Yeah. And and, you know, different levels of impressiveness. But so for every person who does things that are actually cool or for the good. That's right. There's like 10 times the amount that are like, I got to do this. That are just is, wrong. It is wrong. Yeah. It's morally bankrupt. It kills people. That's right. And so we're stuck in that Frankenstein dilemma that it's I was true. bringing up. Yep. And, and, and like that, that speaks to like a undercurrent of problem that I think um, the, the generativity of negativity uh, creates equal or uh, opposing tense forces that would make even you feel like I think there's like this thing that's like conspiring against me to get these things done. That's right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, um, yeah. and and it seems to cater more so to capitulation towards things that are detrimental. Yeah. And so you start to try to do something altruistic that actually has some real value. And there's people that are like, I exist to make codes and zones so I can be like legalistically self-righteous about reminding you that you you're actually not gonna do that because that's a fire code you're not gonna be able to 100 percent. it's I in actually, their spirit could it's i say in their spirit could i say a short story about the fire oh my so the building is going to be in between two other buildings so yeah. there's a lot of fire code around it and yep. there's a egress. lot of nonsense that's right multiple passive egress at all times um there is so there's a fire code that we ran into recently that was the the side in which gets the most sun throughout the day 
And so it, it, it would be huge. I mean, this is, and, and since it's in between two buildings, it's very slender building. Mm-hmm. And so it has this huge side that essentially needs light. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're talking about interior art spaces, workspaces. Light's fairly important. So we ran into, me and Katie Cortez, uh, who's going to be on the podcast in the future, uh, ran into this fire code that was a hypothetical of a hypothetical. Oh, yeah. So hypothetically, the adjacent building next to us, which has an exterior of concrete and brick, hypothetically, if that building were to be sold, so first hypothetical, the current owners, no plans whatsoever uh, to sell it by any means. Um, Actually, the owners of it are the previous people who sold Endeavor out from underneath us. They're my current neighbor. Wild how things work out. And uh, so the building exterior, hypothetically, if it were to be sold, and then hypothetically, if there were to be an extreme event at which it either exploded or f- brick and fire caught on fire, we can't put something that attaches to the wall. That would be, it's, so the plan was the an exterior like staircase of sorts um, or like a, a sense of a scaffolding in that verticality of the space. So because of that, we can't put it there. And because of other fire code, if we space it out, there actually isn't enough room in the space to put the path of egress in which they require in the code. Yeah. And that's the city. And so they always legislate towards anomaly. So anomalies are not normative. That's yeah. So the likelihood. So imagine how this is the, imagine how the city collectively works against good things out of a not out of the regulating of anomalies that have almost no likelihood likelihood of happening. That's right. But a, a great, greater assurances of control over what does happen, which is always less than what could be, which is why we don't live in a world like Amsterdam. Um, yeah. And the people that are deciding these things have no vision. Their eyes are closed. So their eyes are closed. And um, there is a delighting in the restraining because it's a, yeah. it's a despising of of uh, it's a despising of freedom, yes, and creativity and agency and actually flourishing, flourishing. Right. So what I'm trying to say is, cities are the most intense paradoxes, especially a city like ours. That's right. Of human flourishing and opposition to human flourishing. Yep. Yeah. So w- within certain within certain spaces around you know, entrepreneurship and creative thinking, um, there's yeah. there's an idea about. Um, designing for extremes and so what what we say is that you know within within society everything is a normalized bell curve right so you've got kind of all the folks who are sort of in the middle that have a certain viewpoint on a thing or might use an object in a certain way and on the outside on the tapered long tails of that normalized bell curve you've got what would be called extreme users so sometimes sometimes these are early adopters so if we took something like the car all right, well, the majority of people use a car to kind of go from one place to another. Uh, they do it for a job. They're operating within a speed limit. Then you've got some folks who um, are on one end of these extreme users, and those extreme users would be folks who, like, you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, you're using a car, like, way too slow. You're the 20-mile-an-hour person <laughs> on the 60-mile-an-hour road. The other tail of an extreme would be like a NASCAR driver, right? You're using a car very, very fast in a way that most people don't. And so if you approach a problem with something like an automobile and you say, well, how do we make sure that this thing actually works for the people on the ends, then you solve for everything in the middle. But if you solve for just the middle, you leave out about 95% of all users. 
And you decimate the aesthetic beauty of American car manufacturing? You decimate a ton of things, right? So not just the aesthetic beauty, yes, but also uh, any sort of ideas of like how um, artistry takes place and shows like personality or localism or speci specificity, yeah. right? Even mm -hmm. in the construct of the factory that manufactures the car. That's yes. right. So, it so every factory yeah, yeah. is exactly the same. That's right. State. Yep. So you have no flourishing that happens in that situation. It's a, it's a blunting out. Then you apply it to like what you're talking about, Ryan. This idea that what we do is we actually make the center so egregious that everything else is removed. Mm -hmm. And then we say, how come our cities are boring? Mm -hmm. and yeah. It's like, uh, we're being safe. you made it boring. You made yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually uh, like denigrated everything in this space that's possible mm -hmm. to a, a common denominator that doesn't really exist. Possibly the lowest common denominator. Unless, and of course, so much. you are a bazillion dollar philanthropist. And then all of a sudden, we can overlook some of those codes. You can do whatever you want. Because there's a pay-to-play bankruptcy within government, both at the local. That's and, right. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I just saw this, just not, this isn't a big tangent, I promise, but the show Ozark has a, the best metaphor for what you're saying is that uh, the main character, Marty Bird, he, when he's a kid, his mom I, is sick. I think it's with cancer in the hospital. And so to leave the room, he's been in the hospital so long, there's a uh, arcade game at the end of the of the hallway. And so there's this kid who's insanely good at the game that's playing the game. And he notices as he's watching, he keeps losing despite how good he is at it. And so he starts playing and he discovers from being stuck in there is that it's actually not possible to beat the game unless you have enough quarters. Mm. And there's something about this of, of what the blunting of the yes. edges, the appealing to the lowest common denominator that has actually made it essentially impossible to build great things unless you are coming from great circumstances. So we yeah. settle for, don't hate me, crummy murals. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, yeah, they're... Why would I hate you for that? Yeah. There, it's demonstrable a lot yeah, in the city yeah, for as much. Yeah. We have uh, international. Oh, you can do a, free, a free mural. We, <laughs> we have internationally recognized unbelievably good murals here in Richmond. You might not think so. I think so. Very much so. Some of the people who have been through here, like ours, uh, the ETAM crew. I mean, there's a couple. Unbelievable. Unbelievably good murals done in unbelievably short amount of times. But at the same time, it is like the bar isn't quite either understood or maybe it's too open or just because the nature of mural making that there isn't uh what's an example like no, a no, bar let, me, test. Let, me, let me check this out i'm saying something else oh, i'm saying say that it. murals exist as a as a default 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 mode of isolating artists away from contributing to the centralized building up of society oh so i'm saying that we do murals instead of build these yeah we'll, we'll give you I the see. courtyard instead yeah we'll give you the courtyard the interior the and do this neat thing we can paint over whenever we want because it has no structural value at yeah, all that's right that's yeah. what i'm saying oh so, that's yeah. a much better point yes that's the point I'm i making. take my point back in turn yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, i'm saying it's, it's, and no the muralists that, and the legacy yeah. of muralists are like well, we're resilient. We built this culture, right? But you're always assuming, assuming yourself as this kind of rebel culture that had to rise from the ashes, and they've created a nice little narrative for you to exceed your own, to 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 uh, phoenix out of it, and still never actually have real consequence or impact because it's just on the surface. Because it's just on the surface. Yeah. And I'm not demeaning making a mural. Right. I'm saying it's a it's a it's a it's a shenanigan. 
it's a shenanigan. It's, it's not, it's not, um, it's pushed to the front. Right. That's so that's what I was about to say. They're about to be, they're pushed so far out that the attempt to like reinsert in a genuine capacity ends up surface level because there's so much, let's just say red tape, whatever yeah, word yeah, you yeah. want to use. There's so, 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 so invite an artist into the process of creating a space would be to turn over the keys a little bit. That's right. And then actually not have control and then be like, wow. And then, and then and I'm talking about like in dimensions, I'm talking about like in this reality, uh, which I'm talking about like going so far beyond That's right. uh, public art. Yeah. Um, we don't do that. We're like, no, we're not doing that. That's whereas, right. whereas, you know, Renaissance, Middle Ages. I was about to say, what's the fire code of the Sistine Chapel? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah <laughs> is yeah, it up yeah. to Richmond fire code? Yeah. Could you, if you had the capacity. And how long has it lasted? That's right. The capacity, the means, the talent, and the funding to build a Sistine Chapel in the Richmond, I don't think you'd be able to. Nope. They would no say question. no. Yeah. And they would say no. Actively say no. And they would proudly say no. Well, I was going to say, I think the, 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 the place where we find ourselves, and this is, I'm just going to make an audacious claim and maybe we can edit it here. Yeah, let's right. it here. But my audacious claim is that there is something anti-establishment about entrepreneurship within the arts. And here's why. Because I think more and more we're seeing a society in which we are seeing the reality that we are not capable of building things. We are only capable of buying things. And so in that space, to create anything that is new, that points toward flourishing, is, 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 a, very, is a very audacious thing to do. Um, and, it, and, it, and, it, and just like the flower, so it, it is stomped out. Yeah. It's stomped out. That's, that it's, not, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, if we get into conversation about big tech and the monopoly around corporation, and bit, like if you start actually getting this conversation, you realize that um, uh, this is not by accident. Yeah, and it's also why the appropriate or the uh, acceptable entrepreneurs we talk about are the ones with billions of dollars. Exactly. Not the ones uh, down the street from you who have mm-hmm. a basement business. Yep. Not the ones who are opening up art spaces mm-hmm. within your community. Not the ones who are doing uh, like boots on the ground, feet on the street sort of stuff. Um, instead, it's just like, no, it's okay if you do entrepreneurship as long as you're buying things yeah. from people and buying government power. And as long as we can tax you. Right. But if you're, if you're building, we don't want none of that. Yeah. Keep your building to yourself. So mm-hmm. all that to say, more power to you, Ian. Um, yeah. Hey, we're going to have you back on it. super soon because we need you to do a, we need, we're due for a, 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 what did you mean by this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's by that. So what did you mean by that? It's by that. Remember? Yeah. That's what was written down. We can't be don't know this. It's that. All it's, right? a, it's actually a new series. That's right. It's what did you mean by that? That's just, right. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Ian. I received, I received that. I'm the maestro. What did you mean by that? I'm a maestro. I'm a maestro. Hey, everybody. Hey. That's coming back. That's right. Hey, Uh, everybody. Hey. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have a time. (laughs) So on that note, um, thank you so much (laughs) for being with us. Uh, We always love it. It's always a great time. Love you guys. Uh, Likewise. Way too long, I guess, maybe, but whatever. You guys weren't here for the other three hours of conversation. Um, Also, hello, rest of the world and Israel and Lithuania and whoever is listening. Yeah, Canada. Kisses. We love you, Canada. Yeah. Uh, And just like Canada, we love everybody out there. You're a fantastic audience, and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.